This episode is brought to you by Third Eye Cacao. We're so happy to have a brand new sponsor. We want you to support our sponsors because they make these shows possible. Third Eye Cacao is on a mission to preserve ceremonial grade cacao in the world and invite others on a journey from their head to their heart. Cacao is a fruit where chocolate comes from and is one of the most nutrient dense superfoods on the planet. It has been called the elixir of the gods for its ability to open up the heart. Studies have shown that the same endorphins that get released when you are falling in love for the first time, cacao has the power to induce also. It's like the best feeling in the world and cacao has that for you here at Third Eye Cacao. Overall, cacao has the powerful ability to begin any day with intention and ceremony. Use promo code TIMEWHEEL, that's T-I-M-E-W-H-E-E-L, at checkout and save 11% at thirdeyecacao.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. It is the underwear with the dual pouch system. One pouch for one part of the male anatomy, another for the other part of the male anatomy. Not only is the underwear the most comfortable underwear you'll ever wear, but it also has the most stylish designs and patterns. The fabrics actually have a cooling effect when you put them on for the very first time. Your body will thank you because it's one of the hottest parts of your body. So cooling it down with these special fabrics that Sheath provides is a nice experience. The proof is in the pudding. We have a 100% money back guarantee on the very first pair. If you don't like it, we'll send you your money back. Go to sheathunderwear.com, use promo code RPG and save 20%. We appreciate your support. Back to the show. Welcome to the RPG Podcast. And we are live. Oh, God, Pat! Presented by Sheath. A Time Wheel production. Hey, welcome everyone to another episode of the Robert Patton Global Podcast. I am Jason Azevedo. He's a millionaire entrepreneur here. Um, you know, and that's what we like to bring on here to show you how to do it yourself. And Jason, how he did, built his empire. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great. How about yourself? Excellent. I just got out of a nice bath and did a little jog. <laughs> Got a little prep. I like to get pumped up before these so that I'm not, I got some energy for the conversation. Um, so, you know, you, you, I was reading about you and you've just recently, or not, I don't know how recently it is, but started like farming. Yeah, we, uh, we gave up um, beach life in L.A., to go start a uh, farm in Texas. Oh wow! <laughs> so we very very different environment, um, but we're absolutely loving it and uh, de definitely learning a lot as we go. And had the good grace of some very nice neighbors and and really a community that comes together to really help people figure it out. 
Uh, yeah, we just bought like six chickens, so we're in that community also. Yeah, my my wife, um, she decided she wanted to start chickens from eggs and incubate them and do the whole thing. Whoa. So we we had twenty eight chickens living in our house um, because she did. They were born in the house. <laughs> so. Yeah, we, we have six chickens in the house at the moment. We're, they're about two weeks old, and my wife is – she's managing it. I'm, I like it. I like the idea of getting eggs and, and having little road, uh, critters you know, pecking around the yard and stuff. We had some at our ranch in Texas when I was a young boy, so I have, have fond memories of them. Um, yeah. So we'll see how that how it goes. <laughs> well, good luck. Yeah, we already had we had one die, which was on, but it was I think it came to a sick because yeah. you know that's going to happen. Yeah, it's the the. Someone told me that uh, one of the ranchers around here. He took me aside. He goes, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm just going to tell you something. Part of ranching is things die." Yeah. He goes, it's, he goes it, the, it's a life cycle around here. He goes, so don't get yourself down. Don't, he goes, just just keep on going. And I was like, okay, well, that's good to hear from someone who's been doing cattle out here since the 1830s. And I figure they, they kind of know what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. To, you know, you got good advice. You surround yourself with people who kind of you know what they're doing. And in, in a lot of instances, that's one of the principles of success is, you know, just uh, – surround yourself with people who you want to yeah, grow to be more like it's that that age-old thing you're the sum of the five closest people make sure that those people are good yeah yeah exactly that's very much uh better worded than i put it but so how did did you have a mentor you know you were 15 so, when you started yeah so we were fortunate it, um so we started the company i was 15 um my brother was 20 and we, like every other person, thought, oh, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to print T-shirts. Um, we kind of got off the ground with that. Um, in the ne- in the coming year or so, we realized that, that wasn't going to make enough, us enough money. <laughs> so, so many we, shirt companies. Yeah, well, and we started in February of 2007. So right as we got an equipment and got things rolling, here comes the the late February, uh, the late 2007, early 2008 crash, yeah. and it just wipes out everything. Yeah. Um, which it, we, we learned by fire. I mean, it, the, the good thing is we were so broke and so young that it didn't matter. Like we, we, we didn't lose anything because we had nothing to lose. Um, uh, and the other, most people might give up right there. They might be like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there were times we thought about it and, but what was also really cool. And we learned from a very young age. There's an, there's an older series of um, people in, in any industry, mm-hmm. and they normally are starting to be put out to pasture almost. It's, it's sad. We, we, we let this, these giant information uh, sources retire out, give, don't really give them anywhere to pass their knowledge onto their, or their, their stories. Well, we were the opposite. We were like, you know what? Anybody who will talk to us, just you've been in the industry for a long time. You know, you like, what would you have done? What's changed? And we'd have these massive conversations with gods of the industry. Um, and it, it helped us avoid a ton of, of thing of holes. And, yeah. Yeah. and um, so we, we really built it by doing that and, and getting out there and, uh, and just asking the stupidest questions on earth. But to us, they were valuable. Um, and I push people on that all the time is you, 
you really want to like go get that information. And, and usually it's the older people that are going to want to pass it on because it's their, it's part of their legacy. I mean, uh, with our current company, we, we buy um, legacy U S manufacturing companies. Nice. Um, and then we're, we're actually, we're buying them. We're preserving the legacy in the local town because it's incredibly important to local communities to have that. Um, and then we're actually going to transfer hundred percent of the ownership to the employees afterwards. Wow. Um, that's so, cool. but what we, when we go into the sellers, it's the same conversation we were having when we were 15. Just tell me your story. Tell me like, how did this company get built? How did you guys structure it? Like, tell me about the times that things went really bad <laughs> and yeah. you get these amazing stories. So I, I don't, we tell people all the time, go find those legacies from people because you, you can avoid so many headaches because they'll be like, Oh yeah, don't do that. No, that was a bad decision. I tried that. Uh, Oh wow. I'm get my notepad out here. Cause this is an interesting one. You have an interesting position in the United States at yeah. the moment where everyone is screaming for made in America, but, but it's not competitive in ways to manufacture in America. Yeah, it is. That is that is a fallacy. Um, nice number. Okay. Yeah. So, and I'll give you an example. And so, nobody has to believe me. No, I want to learn. The largest yeah. contract manufacturer in China, Foxconn, oh, yeah. is building a plant in the U.S. Nice. So it, it the, the, it's just not true anymore. Anymore, that it's right? Automatically uh, cheaper to build in China. There right. are certain things that still make sense in low wage environments. Um, tech, uh, textile sewing, um, it, it's been proven it can be done in the US again. Uh, American Apparel proved this over and over again years ago. But if for some super low end stuff, yes, okay. Um, if, you, if you have little figurines that have to be hand painted by somebody painstakingly, okay, not the right choice in the US probably at this point in time. Um, but that is, the, the broader sense of stuff it is actually com incredibly competitive in the U.S. Um, right. It's frankly, it's just turning it. That, that's what we specialize in is revitalizing um, manufacturing because what you can't do is do what you do it the way you were doing it 40, 50, 60 years ago in the U.S. Things have changed. Products are very different now, too. Um, when the U.S. started losing a lot of its manufacturing, products were pretty simple. Like you would, it was a piece of metal that was painted and that was your whole product. And now products are like, well, I need to injection mold this part and then I need this component that we're gonna... So you got to think about it much more as a supply chain than you do of uh, as a, a singular process. And that, that transition is happening in the US. It's happening very, very rapidly. Um, and What's, in, what, what, what regions are these companies? Uh, textile like plants in i know of one and it's origin main jocko willink i don't know if you know who he is yeah, yeah. so he, and i know he was you know he's been talking about his plant and we reached out to them because we're we would like to be made in america i, you know? I mean he, here's the thing is um la is still a massive sewing uh, if you're like if you're talking about sewing and stuff there are tons of production that still goes on down there um, and, and it's revving up. Um, but there's, 
you you can find plants throughout the U.S. of all sorts of stuff. I mean, I go back to um, with our private equity fund as we're buying these legacy companies. I mean, the last week I was I drove from Dallas, Texas. Well, I drove from Austin, Texas to Dallas, Texas, Dallas, Texas to Little uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, Arkansas to Memphis, Memphis to Cocoa Beach, Florida, because oh. there's just there's plants everywhere, and we're looking at all these and. We, we are very insistent that we get in there and really see the plants, meet the people, feel the energy that comes off of them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's a ton of really cool stuff being done in the U.S. And it's just it's speeding up more and more, especially with all of the supply chain craziness that's going on in the world right now. Right. And the prices in China have risen. You know, it's, it's, you can't get a pair of underwear for 10 cents anymore. It's like... A, it's dollars, you know, it's, it's, it's up and up and then you have to ship it and then you have the tariffs and then trucking it and gas prices. And so, and then just the waiting for the extra time and it, yeah. And, and, and and China doesn't do terms on, uh, on production. So it's a hundred percent cash before it gets on that boat. And it just, the, the competitive edge was there for for quite some time it right. in my opinion it, it, it's it's virtually gone um yeah, okay. it, i mean like i said of course there are certain things but we're our plants um i'm able to pull production from uh chinese companies on a pretty regular basis i mean i'm definitely i would definitely be interested we're do we do we order about thirty thousand units a month and it just is Subsidize or we want to have something in America, if not all of it made in America, you know. But we are, I'm very happy with our current company that we've been with them since 2014 and they kill it. And we've tried multiple other manufacturing plants in China and, and ultimately we have been let down. Like, but this one just is kept its consistency. Yeah. And so it it's kind of like a loyalty thing with them also. And, you know, Today broke, don't fix it. But uh, of course, I mean, uh, yeah. we we have um, we, we've had these conversations with, uh, with lots of people. They're like, oh, well, should we should we move um, to move our production to you guys? And we're like, well, why are you moving your production? <laughs> like, right. let's just start there. Um, right. Because if you've got something that's working, it's working well. Um, I, I mean, I am Mr. Made, made America. I, I will. I want to see as m- many things come to local communities as physically possible. So I am biased here. Yeah. Um, but it's th- the security you get from it being in your backyard is really, really nice. I mean, it, hey, I want to know, are my orders going to be here on time? I can just go drive there or fly there and, and be done. Um, yes. So it's... There's a huge trend going in that direction right now. So, like you're seeing the total impact of having manufacturing stay in America or be brought back to America, and the impact it's having on the locals and these communities. Uh, That's something I guess a lot of us are detached from. Mm -hmm. Can you speak on that at all? Yeah. So, I mean, what what people uh, what we try to make people realize is. Manufacturing jobs are not what a lot of people thought about them for the last 30, 40 years. That, that grueling, dangerous, um, rough environment, it's just not the reality anymore. 
Um, if you look at like Tesla's new plants, there yeah. are white floors, brightly lit safety mechanisms everywhere. I mean, these are these are good paying, good quality jobs. Um, and the barrier to entry for them is non-existent. Work hard and, and learn on the job. I mean, really find another industry that has the power to completely change change a, a, a community. So yeah. the, these jobs, if you keep them in these local communities, and a lot of the plants that we look at are in really, really small, uh, small uh, locales. We've got one right now. The company employs more people than the population of the town wow. uh, that the main plant's in. So you, you can imagine how important that 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 set of jobs is for that community. And what will happen is a lot of times is either these manufacturing companies, the owner has doesn't have a succession plan necessarily in place. So the plants either going to get closed or it's going to be bought by a conglomerate that closes a ton of plants and puts them into one mega plant. Mm -hmm. um, we don't, we don't necessarily believe, we, we don't believe in, in that style. Um, we really are, let's keep them in that local community. Let's, let's add more business to them. Let's regionalize it and, but still connect it to our broader company so that they get the, they get all the benefits of being associated with a large supply, uh, a, a large company, but they get to keep that hometownness. Um, there's one that it, it, it it's also very incredibly important to understand the communities that you're you're in with these companies. Um, I give the example of if you have a guy, uh, if you have someone working on a Friday night during high school football season in California, it doesn't matter. You do that in Cedar Creek, Texas, where uh, where I live, you can actually mess up their social network because mm -hmm. Friday night football is where you see all the guys you went to school with when you were young and all that, like that. It is a, it's a pillar of the uh, of that community. So we uh, we really try to take the time and try to dive into what makes this community special. What how what is what is it like living here? What is it like being around uh, being within it? And what you end up finding out is if you can get these people good, uh, if you can get people good jobs that they're well taken care of and they're they're, uh, they're revitalized, they will go into their community and they will do the same because they have the energy and the money to do it um, and, and, and the, 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 the care. If you badly treat uh, your employees, they're going to leave work. They're going to be tired. They're going to be sore. They're going to have all these problems. And guess what? You're going to have a grumpy, sore, tired person going out into the, in the community. Mm -hmm. So you, you can, from within, you can save these communities and build them all back, uh, build them strong and healthy by just giving good work. Um, so it, it's, uh, we, we constantly tell people, especially any, uh, any of our investors, like, if you want to go see one of the plants, we'll show you how important this really is. Um, and, and frankly, it's a good business. Uh, so <laughs> that, that, that's the other part of it is like, Hey, it's not like it's even all altruistic. It's just do a good job and you get a good product. <laughs> We're in that farm life. Got the, so you don't have the, um, Google Fiber. I'm taking it. No, no, no. Um, when we moved to our house, we didn't have a po uh, a mailbox. Wow. So <laughs> we're out in the country. <laughs> nice. So and, and in the Austin area. Yeah, so we're about 30, 35 minutes uh, southeast of Austin. Southeast. Okay, that's on the other side because we're we come in from the north. I think from San Antonio. 
I'm in Colorado, but my team is in San Antonio and we oh, sweet. do a lot of dealings in, in Austin. A lot of people live in there. Lot There's of, a lot of people moving here. I mean, and all like the, a lot of big names. Um, my friend, Michael Malice, he's a best-selling author. He's been on here a couple of times and then obviously Joe Rogan and Elon Musk and you now you're in good company. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's actually kind of funny because we, I have so many friends that have moved here from all over the place that I'm actually seeing my friends that I left more often than I, than when we were living all in the same, uh, same place before. And so you it, came from like San Francisco. Um, so, uh, the last six years I've been living in, um, Hermosa Redondo beach, California. Is that, where's that? Uh, LA. Okay. Okay. Cause I was, I lived in orange County for my high school years and, oh. uh, some, some of my adult years, nice state. A lot of people left, a lot of people left. I left way like in 2005 because it was just so expensive and I was making, $17 an hour, which was pretty good at the time, I thought. And I was like, I'm going to move to Texas and I'm going to make $17 an hour there and I'm going to be living like a king. But the job that I had in California was a, I was a human resources representative. And then I, same job in Texas was 12 bucks. So, yeah. <laughs> and then I joined Been the no tax. <laughs> now, Yeah. Yeah. No income tax. I like Texas. I live in Colorado now. I like Colorado. Just there's other laws here that are friendly to uh, people like me, but uh, anywho, so are you you're liking the switch then? Love it. Um, my my wife and I are uh, we actually did it kind of like checked in with each other about uh, six months ago, and we're like, okay, is it? That? And my wife was like, you know what? I thought there was gonna be things I just I I wasn't crazy about, but there was gonna be a trade off. She goes, I am absolutely in love this is the my favorite place i've ever lived i'm okay. like perfect so we're it's going well <laughs> that's beautiful that because you know we moved i, I was living in in colorado springs and my wife wanted to get out of the city and into the mountains and and i was like all oh, my friends are here we have ufc fight night parties every weekend you know and i don't want to yeah. move out of the city but like you just said we have we see them more now that we live in the mountains because we have a kind of a cool little spot here and they come they like to come up here and get yeah. out of the city to see us so well and it's like us we're we're on a, a ranch so they're everyone's like wait i can come out and ride atvs play with play with little animals and they're like yeah we're going to your house come on yeah <laughs> so. right on and i assume you you had a nice exit from la like as far as whatever you probably sold your house and then bought a house in Austin. Yeah. So yeah, we, 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 we sold in LA, bought in Texas, um, that very, very different markets. And, and we're, we're out in a very rural area. So it's, um, it's, it's it was a complete change of pace. Um, and absolutely loved it. Um, what are you, what are you, what are your work days? Like the right, like, you know, it depends with with the private equity firm um we're always on um yep. so it's it floats um like i'll actually be flying back to california um tomorrow and then uh and then we'll be last week i spent four or five days on the road uh going and seeing plants 
Um, and then sometimes they'll be like, hey, we're going to stay in Texas for a week or two. Um, so th there's a lot of because of the, the breadth and the scope of what we're doing being national, there's a lot of road time. Um, we, we, we spend a lot of time out seeing companies or, or driving around to plants. And it's, uh, and because most of these are in smaller communities, there's usually not an airport incredibly close. <laughs> so there's a lot of driving. Um, uh, do you have your own plane? No, 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 no. My wife, she, I have a picture of a plane on every vision board I've ever had. And she's like, that's absurd. We do not need a plane. And I'm like, well, we're not <laughs> oh, there yet. Anyway. On the 17 hour drive from uh, Cocoa Beach uh, or from um, Memf uh, Little Rock or Northern Arkansas to Cocoa Beach, um, the conversation about what do we, what does it take to get a plane did come up multiple times. Yeah. Yeah, we are, I mean, we're thinking about maybe leasing one at some point just to try it out. We're not really at that level yet. And, and uh, just like buying one just is absurd. But we're actually in, in our meeting this morning, we're coming out with a new pair of sheath called the G6. And we wanted oh, to nice. just rent a, I guess a G6, but just not even fly it, just to do a photo shoot in the on the tarmac or whatever well, so you, you know when that whole uh, g6 song came out uh gulfstream did not make a g6 yet that's hilarious. they had to like say, uh, some crazy story about like they had to go rush the release of the g6 because all, everyone's like i want one and they're like it doesn't exist yet right that's <laughs> funny we should make a g oh the g7 summit i was gonna say g7 but there was probably the g5 and whatever rapper was oh yeah they were like i want the g6 yeah you know? exactly and it, and it was just exist. like <laughs> okay okay so uh you're driving around you're flying all these plants where could someone who's in the business of many like buying from manufacturers find these manufacturing facilities like it's hard so, to Google them. Yeah, so it's it, my my brother heads up a lot of our bird dogging. Um, it is a laborious, yeah, process. I mean, it he and uh, me too, but him largely. Um, it is that at one point there it was a hundred, a hundred and something listings a week we'd go through. Um, so and of that. You're maybe gonna get four that you want to look at. Okay. Um, so we, we have some baseline criteria that we um, that we know works for us. There's industries that we really don't like to build in, um, it, just because that we don't necessarily know them as well as. And there's so many opportunities available right now um, that we we get very picky. Yeah. Um, but he'll. I mean, it's everything from like business listing sites to a network of friends uh, that we, we've made with brokers and all stuff that they're like, hey, I've got this new thing. It's not out yet, but you the, you guys got to see this um, there. And then, I mean, you just you tell everybody what you're doing. Um, it's, yeah, but it, like it, me, I, I've got I've tried to find manufacturing plants and you try to Google it and it's just like nothing and oh yeah it, it manufacturers are not known for marketing themselves well um it's just so the the what i tell everybody is a really good thing to do um if you're trying to find somebody or somebody that's good find their supplier 
So say you, um, you're going to be making, or you've got, um, you're making underwear and you want to find a big sew house. Okay. Well, find whoever supplies the sewing machines, call them and go, who's your biggest client in, uh, in Northern California? Or, or I mean, I'm, I'm looking for Colorado. I mean, but, just but, but, but yeah, but the, any of that is yeah. fine. If the people aren't good at marketing themselves, find the suppliers because they have a built-in incentive to tell you the best one that they, they know of. Because yeah, but don't you have an incentive to market these places you're buying to get them more business? I mean, yes. So, so when we buy it out of a company, we market, uh, one, one of our general partners, he, his whole entire background is in, in uh, creative, uh, creative and branding and all that. So we come in and dump a ton of energy into making the image of these companies correct and, and making them appear places. Um, okay. It's, it, it is dry. It, but it, that is not the norm. Um, the, the manufacturing industry is not. I mean, we, we've got a group that right now that we're looking at that they, um, for all intents and purposes, they paint track. Uh, they, they paint uh, very large items. Mm-hmm. But their customers don't Google. It, it, the, the, the things they paint are so large that there's only certain people in the, the country so that, that they don't need to market. Now, granted, mm-hmm. this group actually happens to have very good marketing materials. But they don't need it because they're they, the typical consumer would never qualify. And their demand, they already have more than they can probably yeah. manage. Yeah. Um, and that, because that's what happened with Orange and Maine. We tried to get production through them, just one item, you know, and they're like, sorry, we're like completely booked and there's no openings ever. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we've got we've ran into multiple things where people won't even pick up the phone anymore. They're like, I- I'm booked out for um, 20 till 2025. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. It's a good, good time to be in the manufacturing space. <laughs> well, and that's what happened initially. My very first call before I had ever even started manufacturing, I was just kind of doing research. I, I was able to find a plant in North Carolina somehow. I don't, and I've never been able to find them. Again, although I guess if I really tried, I probably could. But uh, I remember them basically laughing me off the phone, like, "You want how many pairs? You know, yeah. that, like we did, we make for, we produce for Jockey. Yeah. In fact, they kind of accused me of stealing Jockey's design, and I, I, it was kind of rude because I have my own patent and design, and they, it's nothing like Jockey's at all, <laughs> except that they're both underwear. But um. Yeah, it was like the arrogance. They're like, so sorry, I had like a little bit of a bad experience. No, no, but, but see here, the thing is, is there that is the other side of of this uh, this coin, especially in the U.S. A lot of manufacturers, in my opinion, have forgotten that their biggest customers started as little guys, yeah. and like really start trying to foster growing one of those relationships. Um, every, everybody out there wants, I just want my five biggest customers and then, yeah, well, that's not the reality. Um, and what happens if one of those guys goes down? So we, we try to balance ours where we've got, um, we've got prototype level work. We've got mass production style work that there, these are some of the biggest names in the, in the country. Um, and really trying to balance, Hey, where does, where do these projects make sense? Um, it, it is really a very focused and important thing 
that most people, they just, they'll ignore and they, they don't have their own kind of incubator for their new clients. Uh, yeah, it's, there's some, that's something that needs to be developed, I guess. Um, there, is there not a database? There's no database for these manufacturing plants? There is, I think it's NAM, uh, National Association of Manufacturers, um, that has a really good uh, kind of grasp on it. Um, it the, but the, no, the, 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 the long and short of it is, most of the time, these are going to be very un, not very well marketed organizations. Unlisted. Yeah, they seem yeah. to be like unlisted. It's like yeah, they're, the, they're trying the to keep themselves a secret almost. Yeah, the amount of times I've gone to plants that didn't have the company's name or logo on the building, <laughs> and you're just like, uh, guys, come on there. Yeah, we, we've been making the same part for 35 years. We don't really care. Uh, right? Yeah. That, I mean, okay, so then. You have another successful manufacturer. I'm not sure how their business is doing right now, but Mike Lindell from My Pillow, yep. like manufacturer right here in Wisconsin, and they all hold up their pillows and wave, and they look happy. Um, that is kind of what you would hope to see, but we're they're just like invisible to people like me. And I okay, here's an interesting scenario that happened a couple of weeks ago. I, we went to a trade show in Denver, the International Sportsman's Expo, and been there a few times. Typically, do pretty well. Always the only underwear company there, except this time there was another underwear company, Moongata. Shout out to Wade. But he was made in America. So he, and he's like two booths down from us, which was a whole thing in itself. Like they should have put us on opposite sides of the whole event, you know, Yeah. but we see, you know, we come in early and we see this other booth too. And he, nobody was there yet, but it was kind of set up. So I'm like, the, I go check it out. It looks, it's underwear, you know, but it's, so it's underwear and it's made in America. And we go to the website and every pair was $82. And I was just like, Yowzas. Is that what it takes to be made in America? I mean, like, is that what you have to charge? Because that's untenable yeah. for, you know, most companies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's for every time I say that there's a cost effective way to produce in America, there's also very ineffective cost structures in the US. Like, you can't take like um, a low wage country like China, um, you can kind of stones throw and find a bunch of cheap manufacturers. Right. In the US, you need to find efficient manufacturers because they're all competing with the base knowledge of the fact that labor is expensive. Um, so it, some guys, they it, their way of competing is just they increase the price. Mm -hmm. Other people spend a lot of time focused on processes and people and, and the right uh, machinery. Machines, and now yeah. they, they don't have to compete on the, the price. They can actually stay very competitive on their pricing um, because they've invested in making the process very, very efficient. Exactly. Um, like McDonald's or something. How they, exactly. I mean, the, the, yeah. that, frankly, that's what McDonald's did is they would, Hey, labor's very expensive. The, the Everything in this business is really expensive. And they took a hamburger and dropped the price of it through the floor. Mm -hmm. But they, um, and McDonald's uses some of the best beef in the United States wow. um, because they have such buying power now. So mm -hmm. when you, it's a, it's, that's a great example of 
if you focus on process, the labor aspect becomes not as, not as important. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to just go, oh, shucks, labor is expensive. That's my excuse for why, I, why I'm not competitive. And it's like, well, great. You can sit there and make that excuse or you could fix it and have a very profitable company, whatever you choose. <laughs> right. The labor is an issue, but I, I mean, from what I've heard, these, you know, China is making more and more millionaires. So their standard of living as a, as a country is growing and they're actually, a lot of companies are moving away from China because the price has gone up and, um, like I feel like China is going through its industrial age, like we went yeah. through, and they're kind of coming out of it almost to, in in some respects, maybe that's <laughs> an assumption. But it's shifting to Vietnam and Sri Lanka and Turkey and other countries. So it's a you know it's possible that China will end up being kind of like America at some point, where they're past the manufacturing stage of development, maybe. I, I, I don't think I, – I, I don't think – I think there's a rebalancing that's going to be happening, mm-hmm. um, and it is happening right now, is we've been – a lot of people have been living on a lot of false pretenses um, that were, were very true 20 years ago. Like um, Like it's cheaper automatically in a low-wage country. Uh, Manufacturing is not a good job for people. Mm-hmm. Like – 20 years ago, 30 years ago, some more of that was true. We've got to reevaluate what's sitting in front of us. Um, and we, by reevaluating, is going, hey, if Foxconn has decided to build a plant in the US, chances are they've figured out that it's, cheap, it's cheaper and better for them to be here. We should mm-hmm. be paying attention. Um, that, that is, that the, the proof's in the pudding. It's not, it's not somebody out evangelizing about it, it's happening. Yeah. So, and well, I I try to make sure everyone knows this. No, the the global supply chain is going to rebalance. Yes. We're going to figure out what is the right thing to do where. And with I mean fuel costs, the reality is they're never never really going to get better. They're just going to continue to get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are consuming a lot more stuff than we did fifty years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's. The, the, so the, many, the manufacturing sector has to be strong because we really, really like to consume things nowadays. And we are speeding up, not down. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, so you said some like finding the most efficient place to manufacture is like a principle of economics. Like if, you know, you can make corn really good and, Kentucky, then that you'll be the main supplier of corn. And if they make oak or whatever in different areas of the world, wherever they specialize in these pro- making these products, cause they make them the most efficient there, then that's kind of how things have shifted, I guess. And, and I'm really very happy with the quality of our product. Yeah. You know, some people say the quality from China is shit, but Apple's made in China. You know? Yeah, and that, that's another one of those false pre- pretenses that people keep on repeating. Oh, uh, Chinese products are garbage. No, yeah. they're not. They okay? used to be. They used Maybe. to be. Yeah. But now, I mean, you the iPhone is made in China. You're you're correct. Like we yeah. gotta take these uh, these twenty thirty year old ideas out of our heads. It's a different scope. 
the 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 world has changed just a little bit in the last 20 30 years it's we but yet people keep on repeating that the same the same sound bites and it's like no no that that's not true anymore yeah um so have you heard i i was a couple of years ago i think it was two years ago we had this guy working with me in new york and he was telling me about a guy who had a manufacturing plant in new york and what he was talking to him about producing sheath there and he said that the government was about to start subsidizing manufacturing again in america and so that the pricing would be competitive and it was going to be this whole thing it never materialized have you heard anything about subsidizing manufacturing oh. to bring it back oh yeah it's okay. i mean it, it, that's a very big thing i mean okay. it, um especially if it, the the U.S. government has figured out this is very important. Okay. Um, I mean, and to to be honest, that Foxconn plant has a bunch of tax subsidies associated okay. to it. Okay. So it is it is incredibly common. Um, and it, now they're not just walking around with a checkbook and handing free checks for everybody. That's not how it goes. But we were actually on a call with a company the other day. Um, uh, that we were looking to possibly acquire, mm -hmm. and the uh, federal government granted them one point eight million dollars to buy a machine. Wow! So grants, I mean, grants are good. Yeah. So it, there are all sorts of programs because it goes back to people, uh, people close to the to the industry, and, and really looking at the economics of it. This this is incredibly important from a national uh, from a jobs standpoint from an effectiveness standpoint from a national security standpoint i mean th this is incredibly important that the manufacturing industry is is healthy and, and growing and and it it's health it, it's the healthiest i've ever seen in my life in the us um and and it's just growing leaps and bounds and technology is caught up so well that it makes these jobs very good jobs they it I, I we one of our plants the other day we took a a welder we we bought a uh, a large robotic welding system and we took the guy who was actually welding and told him hey this is coming in and he got a little nervous um kind of like oh it's gonna take my job yeah. and then f but for us we're not thinking about it like that so finally I think my brother goes he goes I think we're, he's freaked out so we're talking like do you realize what you're gonna do now. You're going to run the robot that does the welding because you have the knowledge of how a weld is supposed to look and how it's supposed to function. So you're going to have this robot do that. Now what I've done is I've made you a revitalized employee that has a skill set that they didn't before. I'm getting we're getting significantly more production out of the same out of the same person and every single piece is flawless. Wow. So uh, we, because we're consuming so much more. The robotics, I, I hear this from people all the time. They're like, robotics automation gonna take all the jobs. No, it's not. We are consuming more and more and more every day. That yeah. means for every person, we need to get more and more units out. Like it's <laughs> it's not it's not a one for one trade. I mean, almost right. every manufacturer I talk to right now has at least two or three of their clients that are saying, I will take everything you can give me. If you can give me double, I'll take double. Um, and that is just consistent across the market, uh, the industry. Right what do you now. mean double, like double production? I, I've got a client um, that they produce uh, their product in uh, our, 
in a California plan of ours. They have outright said, if we can get them three times their current production, they'll buy it in, in perpetuity. They're just like, yeah, what, what, how much ever you guys can get out the door, we will buy. Um, and, and this is not a one, like a one thing here, one thing there. No, almost every plant we look at, um, they are the cut, the, the OEMs and the customers are begging to expand. Hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> interesting. I, I mean, cause I want to get in touch with some of these companies, but they're, like I said, it's, it's hard to find. So hopefully maybe later you can. Yeah. I'll, uh, I, yeah, afterwards, uh, I'll try to send you some links on kind of places you can at least start looking on, on it. Yeah. Cause it's just, uh, it would be a nice option to provide. I would like to provide that as an option, like a, at least, you know, start off with a made in America pair, see how it does. And if that's the one that goes, slowly transition and then we'll have more control over it. Like we just brought what, like our, one of our warehouses back. We were third, three PLing it third party, mm -hmm. whatever. And we just decided to bring it back in house. And like my wife and I are actually doing a part, part of the orders every day. And it gives us more control over the operation. We can see, Hey, that's not on the website, but we have, 50 of them right here. Let me yeah. put it on and or you know, in this instance if we had a manufacturer, hey, we need this, you know. And I, I know it doesn't quite work like that cuz there's schedules and everything, but having someone relatively local I feel like could improve our capability of production yeah. and uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, we we see it with uh, with clients of ours all the time where we were able to drastically reduce their, their on-hand inventories because the, the change yes. time for us is so incredible. I mean, I've got a um, client, they make a lighting product and they've got um, three or four different colors. Um, and we are almost there that they'll be able to in real time at the end of each day output from their website, because they're selling 24 hours a day. They're going international right now and stuff. And our team will paint whatever color ratios they want the next day. Oh, wow. So their inventory level is perfectly uh, floated at all times. Um, down, it, we're, we're actively working on that because we know we, we started looking at the modern supply chain. Yep. And the old days of building uh, 50,000 units, putting them in a warehouse and I hope they sell and I hope there was nothing wrong with the design and all of these hopes, which yeah. are never true. Yeah. Um, they, they now, Hey, I, I just need 24, 48 hours notice. Um, wow. But it took us lots of focus on revitalizing the process by which we do things. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, you, you can't use the old, the old tricks Mm -hmm. And go, oh, well, why, why can't I match the current market? Um, I mean, I think Apple is, at any given time, they only have six days worth of iPhones. Wow. Because they know that they, they find flaws, they find issues, they, they don't want all that inventory on their books. I mean, just really think about the amount of supply chain craziness they have yeah. to only have six days stock. Like, wow. it's just insane. It, yeah. But 
they figured out that that is what the modern market requires. So you have to come up with a process to match it. Do you think that these Chinese manufacturers or our American manufacturers kind of learning from all of the progress the Chinese manufacturers have made over the past 30 years and, some, and bringing some, that, you know what I mean? Some are, some are not. Okay. <laughs> there are some, there are some people that have, that would like to keep their head in the sand and go, no, no, this is the way it's done. It's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's this word called progress. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a different world guys. Um, With the machines. And I mean, I don't know how many, how many, machines are involved in the textile process. I actually don't know that much about how my own underwear <laughs> gets made unless you, I mean, I, I know how to do it from scratch with scissors, but I, I imagine they have these huge machines that cut the patterns and um, I don't even like, so the stitching, but so I, I, you, you, you'd be amazed. Um, most textiles are still handsome. Okay. Um, it, it is incredibly difficult to yeah. make uh, robotic sewing systems. Um, uh -huh. I've, back, my first company was uh, in the apparel industry. And we, I, I remember then them talking about how do you, how do you make a robotic sewing system? Like, and it, it, now they've gotten there uh, because the robotics and the automation have just gotten, I mean, the, the Da Vinci robot that they're using for, uh, for surgeries should prove anything. You can, you can do anything now. Right. Um, but, humans are incredibly effective at sewing right <laughs> the, the dexterity of their fingers is just unbelievable so um I still can't we, compete with that yeah yeah exactly it's so the majority of textiles are still all hands-on um, interesting yeah well and that's what this dude from mungata was telling me he has a team of tech of sewers and cutter you know cut and sew people and but it's just like, we're doing 30,000 units, you know, like I don't, that's a, a month. And, but here's what happened last year, 2000 or 2020, that was last year, you know, with the whole supply chain backup and congestion, we had to wait, we were waiting for like six months for an order. So our, the supply we had was greatly diminished and, and we were paying all these advertisers that we had already kind of contracted deals yeah. with and we're paying advertising when we don't really have that much product to sell because it's on a boat. And so we decided, okay, well to prevent that from happening again, let's just order 30,000 units a month, every month. And so we constantly have more coming in and now we, now we have too much because the economy kind of flip-flopped a little bit where we it, we were we had a record year last year and we had had a record year every year since ex, you know starting this year little flat and possibly down from last year but um been, but we're ordering more underwear so it's kind of like well this is kind of backwards <laughs> yeah <it's, laughs> we um we we had a a color of powder coat that we had one of our plants had to buy the other day and we get, get on the call that there's a shortage of, of this color. And um, I'm talking to the rep from the, the, the company. He goes, I need you to place. Uh, I'm like, when's it going to be back in stock? He goes, no clue. Hopefully by 24. Wow. And I'm like, well, we use this color every single day, buddy. He goes, I need you to give me an order for two years worth of it. 
or here, it was some ridiculous amount. And I'm like, what? What, what are you talking about? He goes, I need to have the order in my hand to give you any product. And he goes, and you can cancel it anytime. He goes, but I have to have it showing that this color is the important one right now. Because he goes, he goes, we don't know. He goes, it'll be years before we catch up on being back in stock. He goes, it, he goes, the raw ingredients, we need to do it just don't exist. Uh, so, and we're hearing that in a lot of markets right now where it's just the, the, like quotes on raw materials for steel used to be good for like 90 days. Um, there's one steel vendor that has changed um, to 24 hours. So you have, you have to get the job bid and you have to get it landed and you've got to order the material in 24 hours if you want the price to hold. <laughs> so it's just, but it's just a crazy time. It is. But in crazy times come usually the best progress. So, yeah, you got to adjust and adapt and overcome the obstacles that present themselves. My my brother and I actually run Sheath, which is pretty cool that you and your brother also run your company. What's it? What's your company called? MRCA. MRCA, but it's a private equity firm, so nobody. It's a private equity firm, um, yeah. and, and MRCA uh, stands for the Manufacturing Revitalization Corporation of America, or MRCA. Um, so, <laughs> Merca, like the, the the branding team layered above uh, a bunch of things up on that one. No, that's good. That's funny because America. That's yeah. why because America. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. We're the best that ever existed. Um, they say not to start a business with family members, but you've been doing it for quite some time now. Yeah. Um, I would not recommend starting a business with family members. What my brother and I have is special. Yeah. Um, it too. has not always been special. Um, okay. we, we've worked together a long time, but especially when we were younger, um, we, they, it would almost get to blows. And I mean, we would be, there would be loud screaming competitions to see who, because uh, come find out the way your idea is right is if it's the loudest. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> but, um, but at the same time we would go full blast. We're both very, very passionate people. Um, when we're, when we're doing things, um, we'd go full blast yelling at each other and literally not 30 seconds later, we're standing on a production line working together and people are like, how do you do that? I'm like, there's still a job to do whether yes. what we've got going on as brothers, we'll deal with that. But we, there's still a job to do. So we know that we have to shut up and do the job. Um, it also, the second we leave work, we're brothers again. Nice. Um, and and that is incredibly important. Um, it, my, I've I've had the role of CEO the majority of the time that we've been in business, um, and I am five years younger than my brother. Aha! Uh-huh. So I was going to ask you that. That balance for most people doesn't work. The second right. we leave that building, we are brothers again. The hierarchy switches. So it's, <laughs> and, and people have watched it. They're like, what? I'm like, no, it's a respect thing. We all, we respect the job and then we respect each other as brothers. We, that we try not to blend the two too much um, because it, it is hard. I, 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 like, I would not recommend it to pretty much anybody um, but we've made, we've figured it out. We've got a good system that works. 
Um, it's not flawless, but the reality is, is no business partnership is ever easy. Um, yeah. I, it's like a marriage. I tell everybody, it's like a marriage that's all about money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it, it actually worse than a marriage because it's, it's a marriage really just built on financial transactions. Oh, yeah. um, so you've, I have been incredibly fortunate with, uh, with the partnership that I've got. Um, we, we all, I mean, we were, we drove 17 hours the other day, uh, okay. five of us in a, uh, in a suburban crossing half the country and we got out all still best buddies and, and, and hanging out. So, Hell yeah. um, What's up? but, yeah. but it, take, it takes work and, and, um, I, we, we, we make sure that we push for connecting each other. I, I had actually, I brought my entire leadership team out to, uh, twice now, uh, out to the, um, to our ranch and I shut down all their internet so they can't get on the internet. Um, and the, there's not much cell reception out here and we have a two or three day reconnect of understanding where we're at, who we're, who's, who's where, what, how are we feeling about things? How are we, how are we relating to each other? Because you, you got to work on the partnership. Um, if you don't, it, I, I've seen what can happen and it's, it's messy on the back end. Wow. That's really cool. We, we have a really small kind of tight knit team that we, when we do events, we all go together and we all stay in the same Airbnb and B and we haven't done what you just said about like turning off electronics and stuff. That would be pretty cool to really get connected uh-huh. on a interpersonal basis, you know, and not always be distracted by your phone and stuff. Oh yeah. So. I, well, I mean, there was, um, when I brought him out here, it was, it was actually really interesting. So they, uh, they were in Texas having no clue what they were about to go through. All they knew was that they were being brought to Texas. Um, so we go, they did. I mean, I had everyone do uh, yoga in the morning. Nice. Um, we then into, uh, uh, ba- uh basically onto a patio and went into, co- into meetings. Um, and they were very structured agendas. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, we're done. We're going, we're, we're going to do this. Take quads out, go sit in, go in the pool, go, we're going to go ax throwing. Like, and we had all this stuff. Um, and my team came back so much stronger in 48 hours wow. that they're like, this was, it, it didn't feel like a work event. I'm like, yeah, cause you guys work all day long. I trust you guys to work. What I needed is to get your personalities back out because we start locking those up. And we, especially because what we do is it it, it is labor intensive. So you you get burnt out over time. So you really is, how do you pull those, those personalities out of everybody? And the cell phone is the most wonderful thing on earth, except it's a really, really bad ability to constantly keep you connected to, to work outside and, of where you yeah, are they came yeah. out here and they're like wait we get no phones i'm like you're not even allowed to have them on you like go put them in a whole different room oh okay what if something happens i'm like everyone's been instructed that they are to call my wife and my wife will come out and get me uh, if there's a major issue that any one of us needs to know about and they're like okay we're gonna try this <laughs> so wow that sounds really fun, though, because we're just too connected to stuff that's not right in front of us, and you get disconnected from the people right around you because you're 
out in the ether. Um, I really appreciate you coming on, Jason. I, I, uh, we're coming up on the time here. I am inspired by your business, America. I'm excited to look into this further because it's. I've been running into dead ends every time we try to find manufacturing, not even in America, but anywhere outside of China. It's kind of not that easy. Yeah, it, it's almost amazing that there's not like an Alibaba for everywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We, we've wondered this many times. I'm like, that's how everyone finds their Chinese manufacturers. Someone needs to do it in the US. <laughs> yeah, I, I give you that opportunity. Go ahead. You, you, you could be the one. I think it would be it would hit it would be like very successful because people like me and I talk to so many people try like they'll come to me I'm oh I'm going to start my company and um you know and I'll I'll give them as much advice as I can I it is interesting about the manufacturing because if I don't give out my manufacturer that is it is a secret oh yeah it is a, it's a weird Thing. No, no, no. It, it, you find a good one, you hold it as close to your chest as possible and go, no, that, oh yeah, we, we see this all the time. Yeah. Um, and it makes it, and almost every company has a non-disclosure with their manufacturer. So the manufacturers can't say I'm building this either. Yeah, so they, they, they end up in this spot where they have to hide in the shadows all day long. And that makes it more difficult for them to expand, but it's, so it is kind of the nature of the beast, I think, but hopefully that can change at least to the point where people can find us manufacturers and revitalize that whole industry and uh make america great again <laughs> lol <laughs> just kidding thank you though jason awesome. for coming on it's a pleasure to speak with I you Hope, thank you yeah i would love to reconnect at some point and Definitely. possibly do this again you know in a, in a year or so and see how, how far things have come I'd love to. If it works out that way. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you everyone for joining me. This was very mind blowing. I'm super excited about this movement to bring manufacturing back to America. Stay motivated, stay inspired. And uh, I'll see you next time. All right. Bye everyone.